The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome, uh, welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, the, the hesitation, I was like, he's going to say something. I know, <laughs> I know, what is he going to go with? But or, I'm Winslow Leach, or, I, it's, it's, it's my music. Or I was, you know what, I might go back and edit my voice and just go, Yes. <laughs> you should, you should, uh, you should just keep that, but then add, like, an electronic, like, filter to that's, it. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. uh, Thursday. Today is Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday. Oh my gosh. We Welcome are recording show, this on a everybody. Thursday. Sorry. <laughs> we are, we are recording this on a Thursday. Um, but no, welcome, welcome to the show, everybody. Now. Uh, at the top of this, I want to give a massive shout out to John Armstrong because we, because if you didn't notice when we did our last episode, we didn't say anything because it was kind of happening, you know, in between recordings. Um, but we now have our a, a, a brand new logo with uh, Joey and I in tuxedos, looking fancy, fancy boys that um, John drew for us, and uh, now we also have. Thanks to John, an official two dudes theme track. So the music that you heard in that previous episode, as well as in this episode, is our new official two dudes theme song. It's it's literally perfect. Like it it note for note is exactly us, but also the show and like the vibes. Like it's it it hits everything. Um, it's incredibly appreciated john uh you know it's funny like when we started doing this we asked him if he just wanted to do that initially and he was like nah nah i'm gonna i'm gonna do something different i'm gonna make a new track for every episode and he he pretty much kept to his word and every track has been incredible he and kenny teamed up and obviously you know we have radio dramas and songs we have all types of crazy stuff and um so now we have our first official theme song um, so massive shout out to John and to Kenny for everything they've done for the show and for the theme song and for our new logo. So hopefully you guys like it. Um, if you don't, that's fine, I guess. Uh, we, we like it. We, I like wearing a tuxedo in a picture, not in real life, but yeah, yeah. Picture. I, just, 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 I like the, the, to put, that's my, like the image I put out to the public, but that's not, um, that's not us <laughs> really. No. <laughs> Like our old, the only one thing is our old logo definitely was more, was like okay this is this is what these guys clothing wear. wise this makes sense this makes a little more sense <laughs> this is this is Joey and Richard hosting like an award show hosting the Oscars or something like <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness um, thank you so much we love everything um, 
so I just wanted to give a shout out to John for that. Sure. Outside of that, uh, do too. How you doing? Tired. Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> so this, um, I will put as much energy forth as I humanly can. Um, yeah, it's just it's been a it's been a been a, been a, been a bit of a week. Um, you yeah. know, I'm not gonna get into it. Uh, you guys don't need to hear. It. Richard knows about it. Um, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's just been a little rough. That's all. But um, you know, we're heading towards a better direction. Uh, that's good. So that's that's nice. We got some answers and stuff, and we're trying some new stuff. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Um, other than that, as far as like what how I uh, other stuff I'm doing that's not just, bleh, you know, um. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I was like, I try, I've been trying to watch a new movie every day. It hasn't been successful, but I've been trying to watch like not only feature films, but like short films. Um, mm. and it, it's just been, it's been a really fascinating journey with that because like it's films that you normally wouldn't have access to, or like at least films that wouldn't come, you know, immediately to your, your attention. So I've been watching some stuff on the Criterion channel cause they have really great things where it's like. Here's where a uh, personal note comes in. So Criterion used to have these lists that you used to be able to make for their site, and mm-hmm. one of my, one of my lists was actually featured on Criterion's site. It was called That's cool. Ninety Minute Masterworks. Um, I hope they reinstate the list thing again at some point because it was a cool idea, made it feel more like a community, and people could comment on your list and all that. Almost sort of like a proto like letterbox kind of thing, um, right? But um, my list was like 90 minute masterworks or movies that were like 90 minutes or shorter. Not, Criterion has like a section on there. I'm not taking full credit for this, but I like to think partly an in inspiration. But um, <laughs> there's like sections on their site, on their streaming service, where it's like 90 minutes or less, 30 minutes or less, 15 minutes, five minutes. I've been watching a lot of stuff that's like 15 or five minutes um, or less. And, uh, I was watching this one, um, I'll insert the title if I remember it again, but it was about this woman who tries to go through these extreme lengths to save money on her favorite, like, pack of cigarettes, basically. Um, it's a really just visually interesting, uh, short film, and it's, like, a lot of, (laughs) it took a lot of effort to make, but also, like, wow, that's a lot of effort to get cigarettes. Um... (laughs) You know, it's, it's it's a it's a whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know, but I imagine it's a whole thing. But uh, I've also been revisiting actually the films of Wes Anderson. Um, yeah, I saw you were you were starting that up. Like it was it wasn't at all kind of based around you really like wanting to revisit Moonrise Kingdom or something. But that's part. I think that's part of that. But also, I just watched um, French Dispatch for the first time. Oh yeah, that's right. Which. Yeah, I um, I like it was a Wes Anderson movie I did not see in theaters because I saw Moonrise, I saw Grand Budapest and Isle of Dogs all in theaters. And you know, 2021, it was just you know, I was seeing movies, but it was just like sometimes like a movie comes out and you don't get a chance to see it immediately and then it just goes away. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened with French Dispatch, unfortunately. It's definitely a movie that has grown on me. And, um, like, it's not a movie I'm always on its wavelength, but, like, there's just a lot of, like, lines that sort of just stick with me, um, okay. in the movie. It's sort of a, it's about, like, this, um, this sort of, like, newspaper, like, um, just, you know, 
this uh for the for the Kansas Evening Star whatever like the thing is but they're in France and uh it's all these like really interesting like segments you know dealing with just being being an outsider uh it's certainly a very Wes Anderson movie so it's like I don't know if it's his best movie but certainly his most him um <laughs> it, it's got him in it it's definitely got his fingerprints all over it really terrific uh terrific cast um I love Jeffrey Wright in particular in that movie. Um, but I was revisiting his movies and it definitely, they definitely really affected me more this time around. Uh, I revisited Moonrise Kingdom. Amazing movie. Um, probably up there, my, my top three Wes Anderson movies. And I feel like one of his more accessible movies, honestly. I feel like, because I know, I know you haven't delved too much into the world of Wes Anderson, but I feel like I would try to show you that, I think. Like, my history with Wes Anderson was that like he was one of those like he's amongst one of those filmmakers that's just on a list that I always hear about from like film people. It's like, oh, you gotta watch this, this, this. And it, it it get it got overwhelming at a point, and so I was like, you know, I'll give it a try and I was I was just kinda like, uh at first. And I've I haven't really I don't feel like I've given him a chance if I'm being honest, so I can't say whether or not I'm like a fan necessarily but i can say it's just is it's just a weird thing you know what i mean so and i try not and i've said it before i try not to let like outside opinions affect how i'm gonna approach something you know because like things get popular and you get a little overwhelmed with it and i'm oh, just yeah. like you know what i'm not I'm gonna shut that noise off and i'm gonna try to enjoy this because there's a, i mean there's a reason why there's a lot of noise around it but you know sometimes it's loud so I try. I definitely try to not let that affect me. So I'm definitely down at some point to to actually like just take a big old dive in the pool of Wes Anderson at some point. So we'll, we'll whatever that happens, maybe we'll do an episode. Um, yeah, I'd like to. That that'd be pretty cool if that happened. I revisited Moonrise Kingdom, as I said. Uh, I sort of went. I didn't go in any specific order. I, I then I revisited Royal Tenenbaums, and that's still a movie that I really love. I love Gene Hackman. It's one of my favorite actors, mm. and like I mean, he's great. Such he's a defi- icon. Such a definitive performance from him as well. Um, ben Stiller might be his best performance, I think. And you know what? And I think you'll agree with me on this. I think Ben Stiller doesn't get enough credit. He really know, doesn't. Like, he really doesn't. Like, like Ben Stiller. Listen, like you know, if you're someone like me, you probably grew up with like some of his movies like the Fockers and you know, like the whole, that whole franchise and some of the little, some of the comedies that he's done like, or night at the museum is another one. But like mm-hmm. the dude, the dude is first off an incredible director. I think he's, he's got a really keen eye and you know, we talked about him on Tropic Thunder, the uh, Tropic Thunder episode. Cause he directed that movie. Yeah. Um, and he's, he, he has that a- Apple TV show severance, which I've heard is amazing. I, he I didn't directed know, a chunk of those episodes. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was involved. Yeah. That's pretty all. I got to check. Yeah. That. I really got to check that. Out. I've been, that's about my watch list for a bit, but I really want to check that out. Yeah. Now. And I remember seeing Walter Mitty and thinking, wow, like I did not, ex- cause like, again, I, like I sort of had this idea of Ben Stiller cause you know, while it was comedy he was making, it was also something a little bit different. Right. But then you watch Walter Mitty and you're like, I did not expect this from him. But like, wow. No, like Ben Stiller doesn't get enough credit. So he doesn't. Um, and then I'm going to quickly 
wrap this up so get to your how do you do's in a second but i also <laughs> rewatch. it's fine whatever you want to talk about um, <laughs> no 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 um and then i rewatch was a grand budapest hotel um and that's it's so good <laughs> like it, it <laughs> that's another one i feel like you i feel like on some level you could appreciate um it's that's, just that's got the kid from spider-man right yeah like uh, tony revelori um he's fantastic mm. in the movie um, great cast, Saoirse Ronan, uh, Ed Norton, <laughs> Ed Norton, um, Adrian Brody, Jeff Goldblum, like so many, and so many of these people come back again and again and again, um, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it, and they're, they're much more like emotionally affecting than you would expect. Like a lot of them really are. There's like this melancholy about a number of them that, you know, that's what I, I've heard. Yeah, I, I like. I really enjoy. And what? And one thing we'll probably talk about this when we talk about Wes Anderson movies is that Wes Anderson it, is sort of wants you to be aware that you're watching a story unfold. Um, like okay. it's like the best comparison point I could say is like you know how like we say like Guillermo del Toro makes fairy tales for adults. Yeah, I think Wes Anderson does story time for adults. Um, like like your mom sitting at the foot of your bed, like you know, let me read you a book kind of thing. Yeah. And me, when you watch Royal Tenenbaums, is like there's chapters in it, um, Rushmore curtains. It's like a almost it's like a play. Um, <laughs> Grand Budapest has like a framing device within a framing device within a framing device, and you know the way you know there's like miniatures and certain shots are constructed. You're like, okay, I know this isn't because like, so many things like try to strive for like realism, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting thing where he's like, they're not really about that. You know, right? Um, but anyway, I think he would be, would be an interesting topic um, to go over at some point. But uh, how are you? Uh, you know, honestly, like the past couple of past couple of days, I've I haven't been too bad, which is new. That's good. Um, there's actually been days in the last couple of. I mean, that's not not to say that I'm not you know dealing with one thing or another, but it's at the same time it's it's worth acknowledging when you don't feel so bad. Sometimes, yes. you know what I mean. It is. Um, it is. So like like I had a, actually like the other day I was like I'm actually having a good day today. I think this was Thursday last Thursday. It was a week ago. <laughs> um, last Thursday. Um, so it's it's it hasn't been so bad. Um. I think it's nice that we're out of the holidays, and so it's the start of a new year. We're talking about what 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 could possibly come up next, and um, I've been uh, I I did do one pretty cool thing recently. I, I saw a musical for the first time, which if you've never listened to the show, I have talked about how while I love musicals and I love adaptations of musicals, and we've t- we've had a few episodes about musicals, I've never actually, to my remembrance, have seen a musical show ever like, like on stage like like a live performance mm-hmm. um which like i was trying to remember if i had seen any thing at all i remember like i think i went on a school tr- field trip once because a classmate of mine was in a i think a musical i know there is like a stage play i don't i don't rem- it's it's all really foggy i think there was singing but i don't think it was a musical i don't it might have just been a play um but as far as like seeing an actual musical, I haven't seen one before, but I went uh, this weekend. It uh, was for Beetlejuice because it's on tour now. Um, 
which was really cool. And my sister got the tickets for me for Christmas. And I was, I was genuinely excited, but like, I, I'm one of those people that like in certain situations, like, you know, I, I, it's from probably from like the shyness, like, especially if I'm with my family, like, I just don't feel comfortable being entirely myself. So like, I, I might not have exuded a lot of excitement, but I was definitely very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only downside is I think my sister was having a bad day. No. So that kind of sucked. So I, I hope, I hope it wasn't too bad of a day whenever she gets to this episode. Um, but, uh, we, we were, we were pretty much, we were like pretty far back in the theater. I forget the name of the theater, we, but, uh, we were pretty far back. We were on the bottom level, um, full house, which scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I was you thinking know, about you, just, admittedly. Just, just that. a sea of floating heads. Yes. Um, but thankfully, the show was very good, so I was able to, you know, be distracted. Um, but I, like, I had my mask on and everything, and my sister sat on one side, and my mother sat on the other side of me. Good. So I was able to, like, be contained essentially. Um, and. No, like it was, it was a really cool. Like I, I, I was surprised. I was like, "Why don't I do this more often?" One reason is is obvious, but, uh, <laughs> um, but other than that, I'm like, this is actually like pretty cool, and it's nice that you know, granted, it's not actual Broadway. I mean, it's like the technical because it's 500 plus seats and they were full, so like it's technically on Broadway, but it's not like physically there in New York City. Right, which I would still very much like to do. I've been eyeballing that revival of Sweeney Todd with uh, Josh Groban. Actually, if I'm being honest, we should try to make that happen. I, I would, I would definitely be on board to do that. Um, depending on ticket prices, and so I imagine it's be a pretty penny. Um, but I mean, I love Sweeney Todd, so it's worth it. It's worth at least try and figure that out. But um. But no, I, I had a good time, actually. And the show was, like I said, the show was very good. I actually narratively like it a lot more than the movie, if I'm being honest. Like, I don't know. I might have talked about this at one point, because I know I talked about this musical before on here, but um, because like, cause we've talked about the movie, actually, on here. And the movie, like, it has, like, a very basic narrative, but it's mostly just, like, hijinks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like things are happening. But, like, the, the general narrative of the movie is, like, you get the Maitlands, they die, they're, like, the, the these, like, this, like, couple, maybe they're, I believe, yeah, they're married, obviously, the Maitlands, and uh, they're dead, so they are just kind of stuck, and these really snobby New York types move into their house, and they're like, no, we don't want them to move in, and uh, they reluctantly hire Beetlejuice, who's, like, this really pervy villain that michael keaton plays and they they basically beetlejuice has this whole uh thing where he's like trying to you know ruin everybody's day it's it's a whole thing mm-hmm. um but there's not like it's it's a fun movie and i i still love the movie dearly but like it doesn't admittedly have like a real emotional strength to it like like you don't you don't have an emotional investment in it necessarily it's almost better in pieces than it is as like a like a whole thing yeah like i would wa- i would watch clips again yeah i don't know how how much i would get out of revisiting the movie in full again but like what i like about the broadway show is that it actually 
feels like it's about something that is worth talking about. And they tell you up front, they're like, you know, welcome to a show about death is one of the lyrics of like the, one of the main songs. Um, and so they actually shift the focus away from the Maitlands and they make the focus Lydia and Beetlejuice. So like, here's your clear protagonist. Here's your clear antagonist. Lydia, who in the movie, you know, does like, she's kind of just like the sad goth, goth girl, um, that does, doesn't feel like she fits in her family, but again, it doesn't feel like there's enough characterization. Whereas in this, they actually give a whole thing where it turns out, um, Lydia's biological mother died. And that's the first thing you see in the, the, the show is the funeral of, uh, her mom. And so she feels like because she wants to remember her mom and she wants to talk about her mom and yet her dad's very adamant against that and like wants to move on immediately because it's too painful for him to talk about it, which she's doesn't want to talk. So she doesn't know. And she's a teenager, so she can't comprehend. But um, basically her whole thing is that she's just in mourning and she wants to remember her mom. She wants to talk about the fond moments, but her dad doesn't want to do that. Mm hmm. And so that's really hard for her. And so through the whole show, she um, she's very she's very sad. She's very pushed aside. She's a little bit uh, pessimistic, especially towards um, uh, the Delia character, who in the movie is played by Catherine O'Hara, um, who in the sh- in the show is actually a life coach for Lydia to like be more positive and more upbeat. Um, and she's very like. She's probably one of the funniest characters in the whole thing, just because she's so exaggerated. And she talks about her life, her guru, Otho, who in the f- the film is uh, just like a best friend character. But um, what's so funny is like one of her catchphrases is um, combining the words suck and yes. <laughs> There's a whole context to it, but she goes, every now and then she goes, sucks yes! <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny. Um and then, uh, so that's kind of what's going on with them. And then Beetlejuice is literally invisible. So, like, he's kind of tired of that. Like, he's still very much, like, kind of how he is in the movie. But he's a little bit more, like, I guess there's more of a point to why he's doing what he's doing. And so, uh, throughout the whole show, he's trying to trick people into saying, like, trick people into into saying his name three times so he comes, so he can become visible and, like wreak havoc and do all that um but he keeps failing and so his initial plan is that he's going to get the maitlands to to haunt their house and so that he can uh essentially try to get them to do his job for him but he but they're like really like um square which is it's mean to say but it's you know it's true like they're very like like the things that upset them are like when uh kids call them dude at one point they say in the song uh or like um <laughs> uh at one point what what are my favorite and it's works so well here too um but uh what, at one point they're like tell tell me something that you hate and then at one point uh the adam character goes the electoral college why is ohio so powerful <laughs> <laughs> And that sounds like a deleted bit from our show, admittedly. (laughs) It's such a great question, though. Um, (laughs) But no, I it's it's I think the 
the musical actually enhances on the story and actually gives a a really good emotional weight and the songs are really good so i had a really good time with that um so it just sucks that you know because now because i think it's i think it's i mean it's still going on tour but you know i wish i want to watch it again but you know the tickets are sold out and the last show is i think saturday or sunday so you know if you if you haven't had a chance to see it if at any point uh i would at least recommend getting the album so you can check that out because the songs are really good um other than that uh i've been watching a couple of movies here and there i've been getting into uh george romero movies because i hadn't had a chance to really dive into his work if i'm being honest and so doing that has been a lot of fun and I've found some, honestly, some probably some new favorites through doing that. Because uh, I love Dawn of the Dead. I love Day of the Dead. So if you've never, if you haven't watched any of those dead movies, I guess, uh, that from George Romero, I definitely recommend those. But speaking of him, he actually is a, uh, he actually has collaborated a few times with one of the movie, one of the filmmakers of our two movies. So this is my weird way to segue <laughs> into, <laughs> even though it's actually our second movie, but this is a weird way to segue into this Stay uh, double feature. Just keep listening. If you want to know what that <laughs> connection is. All right. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, but no, I'm genuinely excited about this. Cause we, we did have an initial idea, but um, I was watching uh, our second movie uh, a little while ago. Cause I'm kind of back in a horror mood right now. And I went to Joey, I'm like, I have an idea. I think this would be pretty good. And then you went, Hell yeah. Something of something of that effect. It's a very it's a very two dudes pairing though, I feel like, because it's like you look at each one of these and you go, It's that's Joe. Yeah. It's Richard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're there. It's it's easy. Um so basically like there, there is sort of an excuse if you want because both movies do star the same act, the same actor uh, of Jessica Harper. Um, but it's mostly like we just want to talk about these movies, and it just felt like a good way to connect them. Um, but shout out to Jessica Harper, you're very good in both of these. Um, Joey, Joe Denny Dan, dude to Joe. Yes. What is our first feature? today our first feature our first feature is directed by the guy who did the untouchables that movie your parents liked scarface <laughs> carlito's way i believe <laughs> he i, I thought I, you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say scarface that movie you liked when you were a teenager <laughs> that movie you probably have a poster of and probably never seen the movie it has f murray abraham if that's your only f murray abraham movie check out amadeus dude <laughs> there's there is more. Okay? Also, it is also from <laughs> Brian De Palma. Is also that guy who I believe helped write the Star Wars scroll in A New Hope. I've heard this in a couple places. I, I do believe you're right. <laughs> he criticized George Lucas. This man, what a fucking legend! This is Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise. That's a different Phantom, but it's in the same. It's, it's okay so side tangent we're actually recording this on the 35th anniversary of the broadway production of family oh, opera know that. yeah so today's and also um in case you didn't know it's closing the broadway production is closing in april um 
which I got a chance to see it again. I, I'm going to try to see it at least one more time, I think. Um, such a definitive show. But, but but speaking of, like, that rock angle, because people associate with, like, the, sort of, like, a there's, like, a certain, like, rockness to it. Not, like, that it's pervasive in the entirety of Phantom, of, of mm-hmm. Blue Woodwebber's Phantom, but, like, especially in the title song. And there was a music video of the title song with Steve Harley as the Phantom that is very much like a rock song. And you could hear it in his voice too, that he's like a rock. He goes, sing once again with me. How strange you act. That's pretty good. Thank you. I I think it's pretty good. good. Listen, Steve, uh, I think it's Steve Harley or, yeah, I think it's Steve Harley. Um, you know, listen, man, <laughs> you you have brought me much joy when I watched that music video, so thank you. I gotta show it to you after this, I think, Richard. But it makes me think of this movie, though, because obviously there is that Phantom of the Opera element, but there's also that rock element to it like, as well. Like, we're talking full-on, like, hair metal glam rock sort of vibes. Like, like it really, it really leans into that, like, kind of, like... Like you're at a club late night, you're just watching some random band that's really like decked out with glitter and wigs and fire and blood and you know there's sweat everywhere. Everyone's freaking out. There's mosh pits. There's crowd surfing. Like this is this is like next level like hardcore rock show stuff, folks. You know, also, I feel like if you like Rocky Horror, this is kind of another. Um, you know, sort yeah. of midnight because you know I think these are both like midnight movies where they're mm-hmm. sometimes they're shown at a, at a given like shown at midnight. People watch them, they react to them. It's kind of a rowdy, a rowdy uh, experience. Like I've seen mm-hmm. Rocky Horror once, but I feel like I haven't really seen it because I've never done one of those midnight um, showings. I remember my sister did with her friends once, and I was like. I was confused because I didn't know what was going on. Because I was like, "Wait, what? Huh? What, what? This was a thing? Like, like I thought like when they said they were going to watch Rocky Horror, I thought it was like a concert or it was like a like a stage show. Right. I didn't know it was like they were just going to see the movie or something. Yeah. Um. And I mean, I've seen Rocky Horror a couple of times now, and so I get it. <laughs> I get it. And you know what? Both movies feature someone with a meat-like name because Meatloaf is in. Rocky Horror, and there's a character named Beef in this movie, so I'm just saying, give it, a, you know, give it a watch, give give each a watch. And this movie features a character who is, uh, who will do anything, anything for his music to be heard, but he won't do that. That. So I love that <laughs> but song. He won't do I listen that. to that song at least like once a week. I love it. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, but also, but speaking of like, um. Like the movie, it, it it also it is a Phantom of the Opera adaptation, but it's also Faust. It's also Dorian Gray. It's got all of these elements, and they all work. It all works surprisingly, because this movie is just balls to the wall crazy, <laughs> and it and it all like like everything about it feels like appropriately rock show. Yes, you know what I mean, like. I remember, like, you first told me about this was because Edgar Wright had done a video on YouTube saying, like, oh, you guys you guys gotta check out this Phantom of the Paradise movie. And so I was like, oh, this looks really, like, this looks really cool. It looks really wild. You know? And I, like, between the two of us, I know 
significantly less about anything Phantom of the Opera compared to Joey. Joey, like, if you if you ever like get to know him, you'll immediately learn at some point. I imagine that uh, there is so much Phantom of the Opera ingrained in Joey's DNA. And it's not even like 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 you got the Broadway show. Look, I'm looking at the poster for the original <laughs> film, which we've talked about on the show. Yes, um, with uh, with uh, Allison, I remember. Yes, that was like because that, that was, was a- paired with Red Shoes. Yep, that was our first guest episode. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Allison. How you doing? So, uh, <laughs> so we got that Phantom. Got the Broadway Phantom. Um, I, I miss. I, I know there's a lot of adaptations, but like I, specifically ones that like you love so much. So like I know those two specifically. This one, yeah. Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, yeah. Wasn't there? Is it like? Do you like the the Claude Rains one? It's or are you like gorgeous to look at? It has elements that I do like in it. Um, like it's it's. It's nice to see like the Phantom stage in co- in like beautiful Technicolor, mm-hmm. um, and also I love his mask in that. I hate his the disfigurement that he gets because it's like the oh no acid ah <laughs> ah. It's kind of like a step because de- you're like Jack Pierce did that makeup and Jack Pierce wanted something that was closer to the Cheney version. He's like, man, I want to ha- take a crack at this, make it close to like what what the Phantom is like in the book, sort of like a death's head thing and that Cheney makeup is still amazing. I don't think there's many things that can really like top. You look at that and you go, "What?" It's iconic. Um but like, you know, but the Claude Rains mask is really cool. It's got almost got like, this feline look to it. Mhm. You know, obviously there's the Herbert Lom version, Charles Dance did a version uh on TV. There's a student film, not a student. I don't call it. It's like an independent film. I actually have the DVD right here called Eric Portrait of a Living Corpse. Which will never get a part two, uh, but it is one of the most interesting adaptations um, of Phantom. It's mm. you know story about the Phantom, um, and it's really good for like a like a small like independent movie. Um, I'm trying to think of a, there's an animated version that is very close to the book. Like it's even got the character of the Persian. The Phantom looks like a death's head, like the Cheney version. Uh, it's very cheaply made and. I don't think it has a DVD. It's got, I think I have it on VHS somewhere, but it's um, it was the first version I watched, um, and I think like this story just has such a hold on the public, like the 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 hidden artist, you know, sort of wreaking havoc, um, for for one reason or another. So let's get into like sort of the the actual meat and potatoes of this plot. Um, All right, but one second, I hear crying at my door. So it's your dog, keep, keep it's my dog. Keep talking. So, um, <laughs> that's going to be the after credits audio. He's not even going to know. It's going to be the after credits audio. <laughs> well, I got to put my headphones back on. Yes, you do. Maybe that could be after credits for you. Dog! I just said that literally. I'm like, oh, he's never going to find out. <laughs> oh, okay. She's just, she's just laying down now. All right. Are you but- okay, dog? Alright. Um, she's okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, Dog! So, you know, <laughs> you have Swan, played by the wonderful, multi-talented, uh, just triple threat, triple play. threat, uh, Paul Williams. 
uh, as Swan, and he has like was the Death Records. Um, yeah, and basically, you know, he's trying to find something to to you know for his uh, his the, the paradise. Try to open the paradise. His theater. Yeah. It's it's like he he's trying to find the, the the next sound because he's opening the paradise. Nothing nothing he's heard is like he's got the juicy fruits, but they kind of like you know. Eh. Uh, it's nothing like the butter sweets though. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the butter sweets, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, no, he's he's trying to find the new sound, and this dude Winslow Leach starts playing the song that he wrote called Faust, which is like a whole like series of songs. That's an adaptation of Faust or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, uh, he starts playing those songs and Swan's like that, that's right there. That's the music I want. (laughs) That's the sound I need. That's a, a terrible Paul Williams impression, but (laughs) (laughs) I I knew who you were referring to. So maybe it wasn't that bad. Uh, I appreciate that. Makes me feel a little bit better. So, but yeah. so he wants he wants that sound, right? And, it, and and he doesn't want the guy. He wants the sound, not just he the sound the though. Music. But he only wants only wants a few of the songs. He doesn't want yeah the whole thing. But Winslow, uh, I think by by William William Finley, uh, the actor's name. He passed away uh, about a decade. Rest ago. in peace. May may he rest in peace. He's fantastic in this movie, by the way. Um, but like he's just like no. You can't. You have to have this as the whole thing. There's like 300 pages. It's like it's like his life's work, basically. Uh, yeah, I like the bit when the when like the the one guy Philbin, mm-hmm. who's like the right hand man of uh, Swan, is like, you know, I heard the juicy fruits are really into this, and then he like push pushes up pushes him against the wall, and he's like, they better not touch my music. <laughs> those frauds. Those da. This is not. They're the only person that can take it is me. I'm paraphrasing, but that's more or less the gist of it. But basically, he's trying to get back in touch with Swan. Swan doesn't want anything to do with him. Swan has what he wants. And he goes to Swan's place, and he meets... Phoenix. Played by um, the the connecting tissue of the two films, Jessica Harper. Mm -hmm. And they're singing his stuff. They're singing his... And at no point is he like, what the fuck? Because the, the whole time he's like, oh, hey, I wrote that. <laughs> but which, is, <laughs> which is funny because when you watch, like, like, I think the Herbert Lom version and, like, the Claude Rains version, a lot of those, there's a lot of those adaptations where the Phantom isn't born with the facial disfigurement. He gets it afterwards. Like, in the, mm-hmm. the Claude Rains, he gets acid. He's like, ah! You know? Um, and this one's like, oh, they stole my music. And it doesn't seem like as big of a deal, um, until he gets arrested. (laughs) (laughs) He gets arrested. Um, he gets tested on, they yank his teeth out and they put like metal chrome teeth in his mouth. Um, they cut, they chop his hair off his, his luscious locks of hair that made him look as, as we described was a lesbian John Lennon. Lesbian John Lennon. And we are also saying too, uh, Adam Driver would be a great, uh, Phantom <laughs> oh of the Paradise. God. Even if they, no, on that note, even if they just did Phantom of the Opera, period, I wouldn't mind seeing Adam Driver in that role. Maybe if it, like, like, I don't know if he's got like, like the, he's got a good singing voice. Maybe not like, I don't know. 
I just be, I just want Adam Driver and dude, things. dude. I just was thinking about this. Do you remember that post you sent me? I saw it like two where it was like Rachel. They were like Rachel Zegler as Christine, Austin Butler oh, as Raul, yeah. Adam Driver as the Phantom. <laughs> Prince oh my the goodness! Money. <laughs> Listen, Oscars everywhere. I, I, Oscars I'd give, everywhere. I, I'd give it all the Oscars. But anyway, so obviously, like he escapes, um, and. Of, uh, he breaks I love the scene where he's like destroying like Swan's office <laughs> he's just <laughs> like knocking records down and he, he gets his head caught in like a vinyl press and that's how he gets the disfigurement it's like ah! I do I do like that um and so basically um you know he's killing people <laughs> as you do as a phantom it's it just yeah, happens you know when you're a phantom that's just part of the job he's probably like going okay another day another batch of people i gotta kill so his little time card yep it's part of the phantom uh union <laughs> he's like hey claude <laughs> hey lot another day because <laughs> he was rob, the <laughs> what's up rob what are you where are you going now oh i'm just going to do my dream job that i that, that i got as well <laughs> <laughs> no, and then like the, Gerard Butler is also there. <laughs> They're like, like the, he's like, he's a nice guy. I really liked his movie Plane, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, remember when he was Dracula? He did <sighs> solid in there. He's fine. He's fine. Um, so basically, um, eventually, Swan and and the Phantom or Winslow. They basically, there's a Faustian pact that occurs, you know, and, um... A contract signed with blood. Contract signed with blood, which is not a, not a good sign. How's your dog doing? She's good. She's just chilling. I just... Mm. Giving her some love. Yeah. Um, so, it's contract signed with, with blood, um, you know, I, I think one of my favorite scenes also is when they're auditioning people for Faust... And mm-hmm. like, th- there's people who are like, okay, they're not good. And then when comes on, just um, Jessica Harper's character, and the Phantom puts his arm on his hand on Swan. Um, he's like, he's like, oh my god, he's like it's her. But like, the thing with Swan is like, she's perfection. Uh, I can't have her be more perfect uh, than me because uh, he's just terrible <laughs> like that. So egotistical, so egotistical. Um, but we also find out eventually that this pact in blood is actually there's a supernatural element to this as well because we as we find out swan has been living for a long time and while he was like basically really fucking high he also made a pact (laughs) with the devil (laughs) who happened to look just like him yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. just like him. So it's basically, it just seems like, like I think I was hearing, uh, it was a junk food cinema, I was listening to their podcast, it's like a pyramid scheme of, uh, <laughs> of, of Faustian pacts. Can you imagine, like, freaking the devil, just Lucifer, just going, just make sure you sell vacuums door to door. Don't worry about the, 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 the numbers and figures, just, just sell them door to door. It'll be fine. <laughs> Um, but, and we find out too that like, you know, Winslow can't kill himself. He needs to kill, 
Um, he needs to kill Swan if he wants to like end this thing. It's like what a shitty contract. <laughs> but also too, like this things get you know ra- amped up when she when the sort of has a relationship with Swan, and Swan is like, I'm gonna have you sign something, and it's gonna make me feel younger. Whoopie doo, you know. <laughs> whoopie doo um (laughs) where are you and then and then you know i'm just getting through this because like there's a lot to talk about just there is visually um now it's been said that brian de palma is very much a hitchcock fanboy and that is very true here there is a shower scene um with a plunger with a plunger and there is also um like hitchcock talks about like the, the bomb like like sort of like the like suspense difference between suspense and a surprise you know mm-hmm. where surprise is like okay you're just sitting around and then something just happens suspense is like knowing something is there but you don't know when it's going to happen so literally yeah. the phantom puts a bomb in this prop car and what makes it funnier is like this guy's like i don't know man i just don't feel i don't feel right going in this car man the film's like ah oh, take this take these meds and then the car eventually, shut up car eventually explodes um you know, but also there's a lot of the bird imagery, like in Psycho. So, like, um, Psycho had mm. Arizona, Marion Crane, you had the taxidermy. The helmet. The helmet that in- he wears is very beak-like, very, very bird-like. Very bird-like, yes. The, the uh, logo of Death Records is a dead bird. Is a dead bird. Swan is his name. And then... Phoenix. Um, every, time, every time you say Phoenix... I expect there to be so I'll have to like in the make, edit just like it, like yes. <laughs> but I almost might just take the same. I might just do it once and then just like put that audio in over and over again. <laughs> It'll get really annoying for some of us, but I, I think both of us will get a kick out of it. Um, we do a lot the show of, for us, but a lot of bird stuff. Um, also, side tangent: Rod Serling does the narr- opening narration of this movie. <laughs> yes. Which that alone is enough of a reason for you to do like some Rod Serlingy, like thing Dude, for the opening of this episode. It's actually funny because I've I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I've thought about doing a Rod Serling spinoff podcast of this podcast. <laughs> um, but beyond that, this is actually the second time Rod Serling's uh, somewhat appeared on our show because we talked about him. He was one of the writers in Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. and he comes back here. Um, but also a Planet of the Apes connection, Paul Williams, because Paul Williams was in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, or as I like to call it, the Planet of the Apes that Ben Affleck and his son watch in Argo. <laughs> Paul Williams is also his second appearance, at least at least his second appearance on our show, because we talked about him in the Muppet movie, because he mm-hmm. is the piano player at the El Slizo, where he goes, Showtime, folks! Showtime at the El Slizo! And he also wrote the song, you know, wrote the wrote the songs. You know, you got Rainbow Connection moving right along. I want to mm-hmm. go back there. Some like so many great, so many great songs, and also he did the songs in, um, in the Muppet Christmas Carol, and he guest mm-hmm. star- starred on an episode of the Muppet Show. Um, See, like, my biggest connection with Paul Williams before watching this was his bit, his bit scene in Baby Driver. Yes, which I love that movie, but it's cursed now. Very cursed. <laughs> it's so cursed, um, and remembering that he is the penguin in the batman animated series which i completely forgot but hearing his voice in this i was like holy fuck 
It was so funny because I was asking you during the movie. I'm like, was he some, ever somebody in Batman at one point? Because he feels like an actor that would just be. Because we Roddy McDowell again, another Planet of the Apes mm. connection. He was at Batman, you know. Yes, he was. Yes, and I was like, I think so. And I had to look it up, and I'm like, he's the fucking penguin, and it makes so. Mu- <laughs> and he's a bird. He got a bird name in this, of course. It's- it's so perfect. It's so perfect. I feel like this is the movie that got him that role. But it's so show, I would I would imagine just little Bruce Tim and little Paul Dini just like, yes, that guy, that guy. It'd be really funny. It'd be even funnier. They were like, no, we just want the El Slezo guy from the Muppet movie. <laughs> it just it just makes perfect sense. It does. Uh, but I love I love Paul Williams. I love his music. Um, I like his voice. And he's so fantastic in this movie. I love... I think he... As far as, like, a performance, he's, like, the best thing. I think everybody's Mm -hmm. very good, but, like, the way he carries himself and, like, his smile uh, is so... So smarmy. So so smarmy. Of course, Mm. Thursday. Today is Thursday. (laughs) Uh, uh, What day is it? Tasty. Thursday. Today is Thursday. What was the other one you said that was tasty? um, Oh. Oh. Tasty Winslow. Tasty. Tasty. <laughs> but he's fantastic. I love, I mean, also just visually, this movie is so rad. Like, the scene where he's, like, in this go- inside this gold record table, and they showcase all these different, like, bands and, like, different singers as, yeah. as, as like, sort of spins. And it's, like, it's such an impractical thing, but it looks but so it looks cool. it looks so good. There's so many Ugh. great shots. Um, Like, we were, you were sending this, too, like, um, the shot of, like, Winslow, like, as the Phantom passed out over his sheet music with all these pills. It says the end. The end. It's just like, like man. It's, <laughs> it's one of the, sorry, it's one of those shots that tells you everything you need to know. Like, like you could go into the, like, say you hadn't seen anything beforehand. You see that one shot. You, you understand completely what that shot's trying to tell you. He's drugged. He finished the music. Clearly he was overworked. So like this, it's a horrifying image, but it makes total sense. And it's like, it's what I think it's one of those shots that should be studied in like film classes. I agree. Honestly, I agree. Yeah. Cause it just gives you everything in one go. Um, but the whole cast is, um, the whole cast is really good. What I really like about in this, cause like so many times, like Christine is like the in- innocent, like ingenue type you know, and she's like very doa, and she's got some of that in here. But also, she's she she succumbs to like the dr- the lifestyle that Swan has pre- presented her. So she's not, mm. you know, she's not perfect. She's not, yeah, she's she's doing cocaine at one point, and they're like having <laughs> sex on their like circular waterbed while the Phantom's watching, and it's like raining, and there's like sad music playing. And Swan, like, has a camera rigged so he can watch Winslow watching him. And he has, like, a weird... He gets, like, a kink out of it. <laughs> He's like, he can see me. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, that was so fucked up. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was, like, on the same level as, like, that bit in Game of Thrones. When it's, like, this... <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say, because it's, it's, it involves oral sex. Yeah. <laughs> But I think you know what I'm talking about. It's like someone watching someone doing something while it happening to them. Yes. And then someone watching them get it. Yeah. It's it's like that. It's weird. <laughs> um, uh, the the character of Philbin. I just want to make a note of that because the character of Philbin. The name comes from Mary Philbin, 
um, the actress who played Christine in the Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera. So I think it's Mm -hmm. pretty neat. Um, Gotta talk about beef. Listen. Listen. Beef. (laughs) I like how we both said listen. Beef is like arguably like the standout character of the whole thing it's kind of like i know like i've I've heard this before in a couple podcasts and i agree with it if this movie was as known as rocky horror beef would be like right up there with those with like those characters with like uh frankenfurter yes he kind of looks like frankenfurter too yeah like like the styles that tim curry and this actor what's the actor's name that plays beef uh um garrett graham okay I, i could definitely see like visually the two look very similar um, even with like the curly hair and everything, like people described it as like a himbo, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> it, he's so yeah. he's so fun in the movie. Um, you know, <laughs> just his voice. I like his. I do like the singing uh, component, like, which uh, was. I think they got like a separate singer for that. I think, probably, I think so. Yeah. Um, so I think I read that somewhere. But, but fun fact, yeah. I don't. I just I just want to bring it up for my own amusement, but. Um, uh he will show up uh the actor will be showing up again uh this halloween <laughs> on our show we're t- we're, we're on our show yeah. yes on our show uh, but he will uh he we will be discussing him once again in a very different character <laughs> but i also didn't i didn't know this but he also he's so versatile because he plays franklin uh sherman who is jay sherman's dad <laughs> on the critic and this the dad is like not totally there and he's like has has like these weird like sayings if i put my foot against jay's nose his nose is bigger than my foot or like some shit like that (laughs) or like he'll go through like this like memory of like almost this weird like fleischer studios-esque like acid trip and he goes your mother never looked lovelier also Watch the critic if you. It's like an animated show from back in the day. If you ha- if you don't get a chance, watch it. It's pretty funny. At, at least watch the 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 clip compile. There's a bunch of clip compilations on YouTube. I quote it all the time. The I, one of the first things Joey ever quoted at me was the uh, Orson Welles critic, <laughs> like with the like Mrs. Pell's uh, frozen peas or something, or Mrs. Pell's Miss, fish sticks. Mrs. Pell's then, fish sticks. Oh yes, oh yes. They're even better when you're dead. <laughs> is that the first time you've done that on our show? If, which is strange. <laughs> that is. If it is the first time, it's so weird. It took this. Long you know what I think it is? I think I'm like I want to be merciful to the audience because Richard probably wants to fucking kill me for the amount of times that I've quoted this show. Because I'll just, but I'll I, just go, I request it a lot of times though. The, there are times where you request it. This is true, but even so, nobody should have to subject. No, no sane person should subject subject themselves to that kind of torture. <laughs> And we didn't we didn't do it because I know you've done the Orson Welles impressions the first thing you did on our show it was but <laughs> but that specific quote I don't think because we did Citizen Kane I don't even think you quoted it then when we actually talked about Orson That's Welles so weird so this is the first time like this is a personal first a rich <laughs> full like... body wine reasonably priced at a dollar a jug now with a little magic I shall make that jug disappear. <laughs> the one the one bit i always think of is oh yes there's a french fry stuck in my oh, beard oh, what luck there's a french fry <laughs> stuck in my beard <laughs> i'm so happy that got brought up <laughs> i'm not gonna lie 
<laughs> dude, you actually side tangent on Orson Welles. Um, the sub like he was he went on this show right, and obviously Orson Welles is a big dude. Okay, he had a he, right. was, a, he was a heavy guy. So he goes on, and this guy like says like some like fat joke or something, and he's like, "Well, at least with me, I can go on a diet. There's nothing they can do for you." <laughs> I'm like savage. Res- <laughs> fucking respect to the king. <laughs> Dude made chimes at midnight. What have you done? <laughs> he sat next to Johnny Carson. That's it. <laughs> I don't even know if it was... Was it Gun Carson, that clip? I'm trying I to think, remember. Uh, I don't remember either, but that's my guess. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, this movie is so good. Um, I, I, do, I do like the Paul Williams stuff, because he does the music here mm-hmm. as well, which is nice. Um... I think again, like the it's definitely a Brian De Palma film with all the Hitchcockian um, Easter eggs mm-hmm. and influences. I want to talk about William Finley a little bit because it's like wh- this is the second time. The funny thing is, uh, side note: this is the second time both of us have watched this movie ever, which yes. surprised because I thought you'd seen this movie at most three times. You would have you would have thought that, and I do. I did love this movie the first time I watched it. But and you st- and you still loved it the second I still, time. I, I loved just, it even more the second time. But it was like, it was just so surprising because I got the Blu-ray. It has to be almost a decade ago at this point. Yeah, and, uh, and it's just so it was so shocking to learn that it's like when like last episode I was like, this is only your second time watching RoboCop. What? <laughs> See that one's not as surprising. This one's not even at, more surprising. Th- this one's like whoa. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> like, what have you done? It's like are aliens abducted you. But William Finley, you were uh, you wanted to bring um, up? Yeah, William Finley. Like when you like when he really gets into like when he becomes the Phantom. Like he has, I mean, he already looks like like pretty like exaggerated. Like he's got nice wide eyes, a very long head, and. Like he's he's got a very great he's got a lot of great like unique features about him already, but he accentuates all of them. He almost turns into like a caricature, like a drawing or something. And then when he gets like the helmet and like the eye makeup and everything, like like anytime he's like screaming and he's you see the teeth, he's just like ah. like like somehow he figured out to extend his jaw it's like past a snake. his <laughs> neckline. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like and like. He, and like, because one eye has been like damaged, so like there's like a lens or something on one side of the mask, but then the other side, like his eye is like prominent, and he gives such a f- he has such great physicality in the role that like every time he shows up, I'm just like having a great time because it's like he's just he's he's going balls to the wall. He's like he knows what movie he's in. Like I, I feel like that's true about like a lot of the like like beef. Um, Beef, Graham, yes. you know, Paul Williams, like, you know, they're all like so damn good, but they're all so good for different reasons too. Yeah. And like they play, I can't imagine anybody else playing, like really playing their parts. Um, no, yeah. At this it's, point. They fit too well. Um, I'm trying to think like, I, I think it's just a pretty great movie all around. If you've never seen it before, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's also a favorite of Guillermo del Toro's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as I said, we said earlier, Edgar Wright. So, what better recommend? You don't even need our recommendation. Just go by no. him. Really? Yeah. Just, just they, they said watch it. Here's my question to you, and yeah, sure. we can probably wrap up on this point if you want. Sure, but, sure, uh, sure. 
where would you rank it amongst the other versions of Phantom? I mean, it is a very different version of Phantom, but it has like a lot of the essential elements, I imagine. But like, yes. where would you put it amongst like, very the, high, very, very high? high. Um, so like, be- Lon Chaney's number one, right? Lon Chaney. Well, for me, Lon Chaney's number one because that was when I really like Lon Chaney. Sort of coalesced into all these things. I was like becoming obsessed with silent movies, Universal monsters. Got into the got into more musicals because of that. Because obviously, the Lloyd Webber musical, being right? A yeah, big factor. And Ch- Lon Chaney Senior is my favorite actor of all time. Um, yeah. You know, I love him so much, but, um, but like that, ver- and that movie is such, is such a definitive movie for him. Cause you got Norman, <laughs> Norman Carey in that movie as Raul, who in two, at least two other movies has played like the other romantic, like straight lead, you know, mm. basically like the Raul type, like, cause he's in Hunchback and he's also in the unknown, which you got to check out the unknown in some time. I'm probably going to send that on DVD to you at some point. So sorry for that. <laughs> um, like, Oh, thanks. Like, um, the only problem with the Cheney version is the ending is kind of like, you know, typical, like, Oh no, we got to chase the monster monster jumps in the river or whatever, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Right. This is a very much complete package. Um, so I think the Cheney version is like my favorite phantom ever. Like just for all the reasons I listed before of personal connection, I have a huge ass fucking. I got a. I got my poster custom framed. Yeah, you know because I love that movie. I love that movie so much. I have figure. I have so many different figures of that Phantom, but this version is probably the best one because it's not. Because I, I, like there's other ones where they they try to. It, it's a hard balance because you try to be a little too sappy or you try to lean into like the the mute like the spectacle of it. And I think this movie blends everything perfectly because it's also like a satire too, of like, yeah. music industry. It also combines Faust, which is also a relevant thing to talk about with a lot of other versions of Phantom of the Opera. Um, Dorian Gray, because like again, like the the Swan character looks like shit when he, like he takes his mask off, like at He's the like, end of the movie. <gasps> yes, um, but yeah. this rank this ranks very highly for me. This is probably like the Cheney version and this, and then probably like the the Lloyd Webber musical, like the the film version of the Lloyd Webber musical, are probably like my three favorite like Phantom things. Nice. I was I was because I was definitely curious the whole time like watching this, like where would he put this one? I love it. And knowing you, I'm like, like, yeah, it's up there. It's like, it's like five star, beautiful, like once in a lifetime. It's got everything. You got the disfigured, you got a really iconic, like monster character. You have Paul Williams doing the music. You have Brian De Palma uh, with all these ridiculous, like flourishes and uh, just the overall production is great. Like I love the concerts and they're like, the arms are getting chopped off. Like they have these, like these fake arms (laughs) at the concerts. Like, like they have like swords, like scimitars or something yes. on like the microphones. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So good. No, I definitely enjoyed it. I think I liked it a lot more the second time over the first time. So I'm definitely like, I'll probably revisit it again at some point. That was a lot of fun. It's rock and roll, man. Yeah. So, so good. Um. Anyway, we're going to take a brief, uh, brief intermission. Uh, when we come back, when we come back, um, make sure your dogs are safe and make yes. sure, she's, make sure she's th- gone now. Actually, she's, oh no, she left you know, me. Might, might want to check that out, Richard. <laughs> she um, left me. Oh no. Make sure there's no she, maggots. She, she took a plane to Germany. <laughs> oh no. 
just the Suspiria remake that we uh, that we needed. Just your dog going to Germany. I'd watch the hell out of that. My dog is fantastic. Yeah, I, I blew the lead on that. Whatever. Fuck it. Stay tuned. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> we are back! <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody! <laughs> we were talking about Wally during the break, so <laughs> that's where that came from. Ta-da! Because we're also talking about Michael Crawford. Michael Crawford was the original, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> Phantom. And he's also, uh, because of Hello Dolly, he's in Wally. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Welcome back. Now, it's two dudes, one double feature. But listen, uh, part one is very much, it's a movie we both enjoy, but it's very much a dude to Joe movie. Mm-hmm. Um phantom of the paradise now we're very much talking about a dude one richard film like this, this is a movie i feel i feel like you have been championing championing to be on our program for quite a long time which is understandable after seeing this movie but i also have my own personal history with this filmmaker that is not very interesting and also no. connects with phantom yeah <laughs> that was i imagine that was probably like the the main factor and like kind of staying away a little bit you know just like maybe like i saw this movie because it was it wasn't just one movie of his that you saw that you didn't like it was two there was two movies because you saw the dracula his dracula right mm-hmm. you were like i did see his dracula oh, I'm like oh boy. no <laughs> i mean that there could be a number of things in, the, in, in but like his phantom of the opera so we're talking about do you want to introduce this i'm so sorry yeah no so Let's start at the top here. Um, so our second feature is also a film starring Jessica Harper. Though in the last movie, she was definitely like a supporting role. This time, she is the central character, Susie Banyan. Uh, and she stars in the Dario Argento film, Suspiria. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and after I saw this movie, I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> wow!" Uh, but Dario Argento, I have an interesting history with. Please um, tell us. So, okay, <laughs> Richard, I can only compare this to one other example on the show. So, remember when we talked about the Mask of Zorro? Yeah, and you were like, "Damn, this is so freaking good." Yes. Why couldn't have this guy have done this with Green Lantern? Yes, I say that often. That That's my, what that I... My, th- that. I say that even more so now that we did Casino Royale as well. I believe that. But... Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about Dario Argento and watching this movie. This, I mean, there's probably, like, studio things. There's probably behind-the-scenes stuff I'm not aware of with mm-hmm. that Phantom. But it fucking sucks. It's so bad. 
Uh, it stars Julian Sands, which he's missing. I hope they find him. I did have the pleasure of seeing him in, talk in person. He's really interesting, uh, interesting figure, actor. Um, not a great Phantom though. Uh, and uh, Dario Gento's daughter is Christine in that, and it's weird. And there's rats involved. Yeah, and she she has a bit of a history herself. <laughs> that's also, and that's another yeah. thing. Point being, the way you feel about Green Lantern and Martin Campbell, just <laughs> the way I feel about Phantom of the Opera and Dario that's, Argento. That's a great comparison, in all honesty. Like that, I was saving it. I was saving it. So now you can probably understand how I feel somewhat. Oh yeah. But anyway, and it, it's funny too because it's like, you know, again, it's like a big important character, like you know, like Phantom or like Green Lantern. And you get this director who's clearly talented, clearly knows what they're doing, and somehow, for some reason, for some probably other forces or their own hand, whatever, they completely shit the bed. And it it's it happens every so often. It sucks, but you know. listen, and movies are hard. Yes. Movies are really hard. So hard. Um, but in any case, like it, it, I was actually very excited to see this because this is a notable title, Suspiria. Mm -hmm. It's one of it's a personal favorite of yours. So yeah, it's it's I, a movie. I, sorry, it's a movie that um, because when I was when I was getting into horror, it's a movie that I'd I'd heard about but I didn't hear much about, and because uh, most of my focus was like slasher movies, which just kind of yeah. falls into that category a little bit, um, given the genre that it sort of evokes. But uh, it wasn't really until I want to say like maybe my early twenties. When uh, I remember I was doing a YouTube video, and I was it was like a Halloween series that I was doing with a with another guy that I collaborated with a lot, and I was like, if there's uh, I'm gonna review a couple horror movies. If some of these other days you want to review other horror movies, I think that would be a lot of fun. And so one of the movies he picked was Suspiria, and I remember like looking up images of it and thinking this looks so interesting. Like it's so colorful, and like I wasn't really used to that. Like I I mean you know horror in general, like, to my understanding at that time, wasn't all that colorful. There were some moments, because I was used to, like, black and white, or I was used to, like, maybe splashes of color, it was typically red because of blood, you know, but I was never used to, at that time, horror that really went for it as far as being colorful, and what right. what the effect that color can have in in a sort of sensory aspect of it, or maybe, like, even you know, in a in a tense aspect of it where like you're watching a horror movie and you see all these colors and they're constantly moving and you're just kind of in a trance like there's something kind of wicked about them you know like you whenever you see color you think of stuff that's happy i think most of the time or even like you th i think of like those freaking uh, allergy pill commercials where it's like off off this medication the world looks gray and dull and you're all sneezy and you're gonna blow your nose all the time but then you take this pill the saturation goes up <laughs> and everything looks beautiful and pretty and green or, yeah, um, yeah. or even like wizard of Oz, uh, which I think is another great example because it's one of the first movies to really go with color and really show like, you know, it's not the first movie in color, obviously, but it's like one of those it's movies that people think of a lot. Yeah, they think of it's probably the oldest color film that most people have seen. Yeah. When you ask somebody, what's the oldest color film you've seen? Wizard of Oz is probably the top answer. Guaranteed. Um, so, like, when I think of color, I think of that. But, like, Suspiria was the first time I'm really thinking color can, like, stress you out. <laughs> and Yeah. 
like you know you see like even like because there's that opening scene that sort of introduces the like kind of monsterish character where you see those two uh those two women get killed by the monster and they go into the hotel and the hotel looks like like a kaleidoscope of color just threw up everywhere <laughs> you're like this is insane like like this is so beautiful but it stresses me out <laughs> it's like nothing it's like um yeah go ahead, go ahead. it makes it it, may, it made me think of like um like some of the like the it made me think of like a Kubrick film in so, in certain yeah. like shots, the way like certain like some of the production yeah, design. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like exact. Like I th- I see exactly what you're talking about now. Actually, yeah. Um, but like seeing that also kind of set me down a road to want to discover more movies like it. So, you know, obviously that went to Hammer Horror, which Hammer's known for sort of taking the sort of gothic horror of like Universal and making it more colorful. Are you okay? <laughs> Yeah, I'm fine. Sorry, I'm just I'm trying to get comfortable in my chair. Sorry. <laughs> like, 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 I thought you were getting tickled or something underneath your desk. I'm like, what is happening, no. <laughs> Joey? Actually, uh, to to spoil the secrets of our uh, of our program, it's I don't have a desk. It's two <laughs> snack tables that are holding up my equipment. Because, like, like you, like you started, you looked like you were. I was like, D- D- I didn't. What's going on? <laughs> I was so nervous. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> as long I'm as fine. you're okay, that's all I care about. <laughs> no, please. Cont- oh, I will leave this in because it's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, but yeah. So like, it led me to want to watch like Hammer Horror, which is famously colorful. Then of course, wanting to discover more like Italian horror because that's what this is. It's an Italian horror film, and uh, specifically within the genre of the Jalo film, which this is technically. The f- it's technically Jallo, um, though the Jallo movies are more in the sort of ballpark of like they're kind of like slasher movies with a bit of a like a whodunit sort of vibe to it. Um, there's not really a lot of supernatural elements to it, but they're very colorful. Um, Arge- yeah. Argento is someone that is known for that genre for being kind of like the guy that mastered it, like not the first one, not the pioneer of it, but like the guy that perfected it. So like yeah, when I th- when I hear that term, like he's probably he's like the first guy that I hear. Yeah, it's like him um, and when like I hear Mario about- Bava. Yeah, that's um, the one. who yeah. did like Black Sabbath and uh uh uh, uh what the hell is it called? I got blood and like black lace. Am I for- why am I forgetting the title? Anyway, I'll I'll remember. It it's later. funny because we talked about doing that as yeah. an episode at some <laughs> point. <laughs> Which is it? The title of that is great too. On that, once I remember everything, um, but I, I I do recommend checking out Deep Red, um, that that movie Argento directed. That one for many people is kind of considered like quintessential, uh, Jallo film. But this one sort of fits into that ballpark as well. But it's very super. It's almost kind of like um, Malignant, which came out this year. It's a movie I love. We talked about it on the show. Um, that movie is very much like a Jallo film, but like it has that supernatural aspect to it as well. Um, so that's sort of where this movie lies, but it's a movie that people count. And I think it's mostly because it's Argento's movie. Gotcha. But so yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like um, it, it counts by association, I guess. Cause I've, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've also thought I heard that Carpenter was somewhat influenced by Jallo. Yeah, I think so. For Halloween. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense, honestly. 
um, which I definitely thought about that when watching this movie because there's shots where you have like the eyes mm-hmm. just in like the total the total darkness makes you think of like some of the scenes where like Michael Myers just faintly see him in the closet. You're just like, oh, and shit. there's a lot of POV shots in Suspiria as well. Yes, because we don't really yes. see like the creature or whoever it is because you don't really you don't really ever. F- I mean, you do find out who it is later, but um, the uh, the there's POV shots of like the the characters being stalked by like some sort of supernatural entity but um yeah so this movie uh is sort of the the starting off point for like kind of a new kind of interest in horror that i was very excited about and i'm still sort of discovering because there's a lot of movies that sort of fall into that ballpark like a lot of 70s movies and horror were very Mm -hmm. colorful actually so yeah yeah, so that's what this movie kind of represents for me is like this sort of launching point to this sort of new breed of horror that I wasn't used to at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember picking up, I remember when uh, I think it was Synapse Films who did the restoration. Um, I remember when they announced that they were doing a new like 4K Blu ray uh, restoration, which you actually now have my original copy of that. So. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, which was very expensive, actually. It was like sixty bucks, uh, which was the most I think I'd spent at that time on like a, like just like a disc and a steel book. Because I was, is like I bought like collector's sets, but like nothing ever too crazy. But that one was like, whoa! But it was worth it. It's a well packaged like thing, by the way. Like it's got the sleeve. It's ste- beautiful like artwork on the steel book. Um, you know, it's got the it's got the CD. Blu-ray, the bonus features, pretty good set. I gotta have to, di- I have to dive into it. It's really dive into it at some point. Oh, for sure. Um, I actually never listened to the CD, so you have to tell me how that is. But, uh, basic the basic premise of Suspiria is Jessica Harper. She's Susie Banyan as the opening narration, similar to our last movie. Uh, but I don't think it's Rod Serling this time. <laughs> it doesn't sound like him at all. But uh, Susie Banyan is uh, an American coming from New York City to join this prestigious uh, dance school in Germany, and so she could be so she can get like you know all the best schooling and be and you know move on in her life as like a like a dancer and like ballerina sort of stuff. Um, so she gets there, but things seem a bit off already. Like, even just from the moment she gets a taxi, things seem off. I like to think anytime, like, there's exaggerated color, which there is a lot of the time, anytime there's truly exaggerated color is when things aren't what they seem. It's like, I don't know if that is, like, an intention of the filmmakers, but it definitely feels like that when you're watching it. So, she gets in the taxi, she goes to the place, it's raining, it's storming, how a plane landed in that, that pilot has to be fantastic, uh, um, it's got to be like Sully level or like Denzel Washington in flight <laughs> at the very least. If it's not that, then I don't. This movie has already lost me. Uh, <laughs> it's like the least believable thing that happens in a movie where maggots uh, suddenly appear. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of gross things. I, I, I know, I know. Joey's squeamish, so I, I don't like. It's uh, thankfully a lot of the gory stuff, a lot of the more gross stuff is clearly fake so i figured maybe yeah that would help that helped uh that helped the maggots was definitely hard uh, probably the hardest thing oh, yeah 
to watch in the movie um because you're just like how else are they doing this uh guys and that led us into thinking about <laughs> maggot animal rights okay now look and, <laughs> please continue insects okay i'm sure a lot of us don't like bugs yeah i know i'm not a bug guy i'm all. not a bug guy okay. um but there's obviously i don't know if this movie had this but obviously there are movies out there that are like no animals were harming the production of this thing right mm. does that include maggot would that include maggots <laughs> like they, they're they're living baby flies there's, there's like they're babies. They're little squirrels. They're babies. They're baby, they're... Listen, aren't all baby versions of things cute? <laughs> Isn't that what we've learned from Not Disney? <laughs> Disney will probably make a cute maggot movie at some point. It's gonna sell all the plush toys are gonna sell out at the parks. I, 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 but listen, then this, I would be so like if Disney ever made like an animated movie about a fly, and then <laughs> and then like we see like the baby version, and it's the cutest maggot you've ever seen. It's like how did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> it'd be it'd be uh very impressive but all the plushies at disney oh, would man. be sold there'll be popcorn buckets but but like this movie i, I to, to truth be told i was barely following the plot mm. um but i don't think that's really the point necessarily it's just like the music by goblin goblin yes. i mean i mean the, the, in the music they even tell you like straight up what what's going on because they go witch Witch, which I didn't even tell. I thought it was like, ah! <laughs> like just some <laughs> random noise. Yeah, but like I was, I, I wasn't watching this really for like a narrative thing because I'm just like, okay, because obviously there's like, you know, you have the dancing school. There's something afoot, and there's some creepy shit going on. Yeah, it's like you it's know. more like a, an experience. Like, yes. there's like there is a narrative to follow. It's um, but if I'm being honest, it's not like the most interesting thing. It. It takes a back seat, I feel like, because especially when you yeah. get to like the last section, which I think is real, like really effective, and like especially when she's escaping, <laughs> escaping <laughs> the, the whole thing's falling apart. I was like, oh my god, that was so great, especially too when you're like a lot of that, that's like done practically, mm-hmm. um, and like today it would just be all it, it would there probably be some practical element, but there would be a lot of like computer green screen, um, like yeah, a lot of computer the volume again, like. It's a tool, but, like, again, like, there is something to be said about having, like, something physical. Yes. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, that's as real as it's gonna, <laughs> as it's gonna get with that. Um, no. But I really, yeah. I really like that. I thought the performances uh, were quite good um, in this. I feel like a lot of people knew what kind of movie they were in. I loved the blind piano player. Daniel. Guy. Yes. Daniel, my favorite character. <laughs> Wasn't there another character that, that we were talking about that we watched? You're like, are like... The bat. <laughs> the bat. Oh, the cheap bat. Oh, actually, this goes back to the maggots. So, like, we were talking about the maggot rights, right? right? And we were imagining a maggot wrangler, but they were, like, really close to the maggots. <laughs> and they were married to a maggot named Gertrude the maggot. <laughs> we don't, listen, we don't know. This is uh, Tangent City. And then we are just imagining Jared Leto as this maggot wrangler. <laughs> it's me. My, I am the oh, husband of now i'm just imagining like okay i'm now imagining a maggot like death revenge story where like matt smith is the guy who (laughs) killed gertrude the maggot and he's doing the morbius dance like (laughs) (laughs) but then there's also the bat in case you're wondering jerry the bat jerry the bat who uh is clearly a puppet but it's so fun (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> like he comes through the window and he's attacking Jessica Harper, and I just remember Joey going, Joey going, "Oh my God, it's a fake bat!" 
Dude, because listen, I love the old Universal monster movies. The best is when you watch like Lugosi's Dracula. And you just see this bat. And it's just like <laughs> it's in like the same spot. Um, but this one I really like too because when she kills the bat, it goes it has like it's like a really distorted like monstrous noise that it makes. Too. It, it's like. <laughs> It's like a, it's like a really gross, distorted squish, but it's not really a squish. It's just, <laughs> it's uh, and, uh, like that. That's uh, it's so yeah. fun. It's so fun. It, it's a lot of fun. Um, I definitely had a good time. Good time with this movie. And again, because like with horror, I, I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, there's because I love like old school, like black and white Universal monsters. Yeah. Hey, here's a monster running around and some effective cinematography. It throws a person off a building. Whoop de doo. Um, th- this I really liked because it wasn't like a whole lot of like jump scare stuff. It was just like you're just in this like scary atmosphere, basically. Then you're just like you know, just things are just really fishy. Like I think about when they're all like in that same room together when they're trying to sleep. Yeah, cause and they, cause, you have like the difference because the maggot thing happened. Because just to build that up, so like there was a point when uh, Susie the main character is like combing her hair, but she feels something weird's falling into it. And she, she notices she pulls out a little baby maggot, not to bring the maggots up again, but it's probably like the grossest scene in the movie. Um, yeah. So like she notices a maggot and then there's maggots in her comb. And then she looks up and one of Joey's favorite cuts, which was so good. Uh, when she looks up and it's like a zoom right on the ceiling. And then someone going, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I died. The goblin that was music so great. just dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and everyone's like, it's so "Oh, when they when the when the, some of the dancers run out of their bedroom with maggots on their face, it's the grossest thing ever." <laughs> oh, it's, it's so disgusting. Uh, listen, so massive to the because I I would never be able to do that. So to those actors um, for having maggots on their face. <laughs> Jessica Harper is very good in this. Um, I want to note uh, Joan Bennett <laughs> is in this, who's like a notable like old Hollywood actress. But it's so funny because I-, I guess I had never seen anything else she's done except when she was briefly in the Gone with the Wind documentary. I think from the eighties or nineties, narrated by Christopher Plummer. This is so so strange. Honestly, <laughs> it's so weird. I feel like you had to have like, seen something just to recognize. I her. feel like I'm. I, I'm like, and there's a couple people you were like, oh, you got to recognize this guy, and I didn't recognize him, but I recognized like the other guy. <laughs> so like the actor I was talking about is an actor named Udo Kier, I believe is the pronunciation. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, this is a probably terrible attempt, but he's he's a German actor um, who's been in a lot of like like kind of horror science fiction stuff. I know he the fir- one of the first movies I ever saw him in was the first Blade movie. Mm-hmm. Like you'll reckon, like mm-hmm. I mean, when you see him, like from our from our era, you'll immediately recognize him because he was significantly younger, like, and had a yes. and, ha- and he has like a very thick, like kind of lovely German accent that's sort of like in a whisper. He always talks like this. So I can't do it, but because um, uh, like in Italian films, they dub a lot of things after the fact. So yes, he's had yes. he has this clearly American voice that's not his. <laughs> But, uh, Which, on another note, this is the second Italian film we've talked. I think yes. the second Italian film we talked about in our program because we also talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Which uh, you know, Sergio Leone has worked with uh, Argento before, I believe, because I think Argento co was one of the co writers on Once Upon a Time in the West. Wow, if I remember, I don't think I ever knew that. If I, if I rem- let me double check. Yeah, you have to. You have to if I'm wrong, cool. tell me. But I think he did. No, no, yeah. I mean, I mean, you might be right because you're. 
generally a smart lad, but uh-huh. I don't feel like it sometimes. Well, but, but I appreciate that. That that helps my ego. No, you're right. He did. Woo! He co-wrote. I, I I can't believe I never knew that. That's pretty incredible, actually. So you uh, have seen a movie, movie with Argento involvement that he liked, the, but he didn't direct it. <laughs> Maybe it, he did. Because because listen, because listen, like I think I like about are both both of our Italian movies here is that they're both very distinct filmmakers um as well like Leo leon is is like this uh, and they're both there's like a lot of like build-up mm-hmm. especially like leon movie there's like seven minutes of like waiting for the shootout to happen <laughs> and then it happens and it's like really quick and and both i mean granted our uh, argento works a lot with goblin and he can do music himself to the point where fun fact um goblin and dario Argento teamed up to do the music for dawn of the dead and there's even an Argento cut of Dawn of the Dead, which I haven't watched. Oh, wow. But mm. I have the disc, so maybe I'll watch it. But um, uh, mm. Argento also worked with uh, one of your favorite composers, who's known mostly for Westerns. Uh, was it Marconi? Marconi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, I don't know which ones he's done, but I know he's scored a couple of Argento films. That's pretty cool. So... These Italian guys had a pretty solid community, I imagine. Like, you know, how's how's the cow, how, how's the cowboy thing going for you? Oh, you know, it's going pretty good. How's the horror thing going for you? Oh, you know, stabby stabby. <laughs> um, how many movies did Argento direct? That's a great Just, question. Because um, I'm thinking about because Leone didn't make a lot of movies, <laughs> didn't direct a lot of movies. Like Argento, I mean, obviously, you know, the two that you've seen. He actually did a movie that came out recently. Um, that's on Shutter, but I, I haven't watched it. But uh, he obviously did Suspiria, Deep Red. Um, he did that one movie with Jennifer Connelly, uh, like Phenomena or something. Um, gotcha. There's a movie called Inferno that he did. There, like Suspiria, I believe, is actually part of like a trilogy of movies, like one of his like thematic trilogy films. Um, right. He did uh, a movie called Bur- uh, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is an- one of his- another mm-hmm. Jallo film he did. Um, there's a list. He's 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 made a lot of shit. He's made a lot- he's made a lot of good stuff. Honestly, um, <laughs> I only own two of his movies actually, so I need to I need to get some more of them. But oh, um, uh, The Cat and Nine Tails, I think, is one he did as well. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So I know three of those are available through through Arrow, like a lot of his jet, like Deep Red, uh, Bird of the Crystal Plumage, and Cat Cause, and Tales. Because I was asking, because like Leone did not direct a lot of movies, mm-hmm. um, and I was less curious. Um, and he obviously passed away, but like he did Colossus of Rhodes, the Dollars trilogy, so four movies. Once Upon a Time in the West, Duck You Sucker, That's and uh, Once Upon a Time in. It is a great title. I have it on. I have it on Blu-ray, but I haven't seen it yet. I'm gonna um, go on Wikipedia and look. And because uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, I think was his last uh, his last directorial uh, effort. And then I think he co-directed something in the fifties with somebody. But like he didn't do like a lot. But like obviously, like the stuff that he did, like the the ma- stuff, some of the stuff he did was like huge, right? Like you know, like big deal so, stuff. Okay, so um, as a director. Um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Cat of Nine Tails, uh, Four Flies on Grey Velvet, Man Called Amen, The Five Days of Milan, Deep Red, Suspiria, 
Um, he did, like I said, the European cut of Donna Dead. He's he's worked a lot with um, uh, Romero. He did Inferno, uh, Ten uh, Ten Ten Bray or Ten Bray, Ten Bray. I can't. I, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um, Finamina, Demons, Terror at the Opera. Um, so mm-hmm. now, he looks like he's got a pretty long, prolific list. Like the last movie he did was uh, the movie Dark Glasses, which is on Shutter. I think his I think his daughter's in that one too, but I haven't watched it. But gotcha. uh, he's yeah he's gotcha. pretty prolific in in the horror genre, admittedly. So just to mm. have a proper answer to that question, um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, Pavlos looks like Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> I needed to say that. That uh, Pavlos is the uh, sort of like servant character that is like the he's like Lurch from Adam's Family. It's like a man, like a manservant type. You yeah. know, the way he's introduced is so like rude. <laughs> so like, like the, there's the there's the teacher who's Miss Tanner who's got the like most wicked like teeth. Like I think her and Jim Carrey when he was playing the mask have the same teeth. <laughs> 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 like the like heart like the cartoony teeth or even like uh um I think it's the same kind of teeth even but uh uh in the Inspector Gadget movie with Matt- Matthew Broderick when he's like the evil version and he's got like the like you know what I'm talking about <laughs> it's, it kind of makes me think of that. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not trying to be mean to this oh to this actor, um, but it's just that's what it made me think of. Um, but like, she introduces uh, Pavlos as like this ugly like Romanian guy that you can call ugly all you want because he won't understand you. <laughs> and yet Jessica Harper, being the nice person she is, is still nice to him <laughs> the whole time, even though he's kind of a part of the the whole thing. Like what this all, the, as far as the plot, what it all leads to is witches. They're witches. If you haven't figured that out yet, it's yeah. witches. Yeah. So like we learn, there's like a coven of witches. There was like a specific witch named Helena, something, which makes me think of the My Chemical Romance song. Um, and she she had like a coven of witches, and then it was built into something else, and it turned into a dance academy. And so there's like a whole history with it. Again. A lot of it, it, a lot of this movie is about the experience and like the 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 experience of like the colorful aspect of it, but also like the striking images of it. Like you know, we talk about like the eyes and like the dark, which I think like the first time you see them is great, like with the window at the beginning of the movie. But I think the scarier one is when the character Sarah is like being chased and she's walking in the attic and she walks by the closet door and you like not like no indication that it's there but you just see in the dark the same glowing eyes in like this wardrobe and you're like stop it <laughs> stop doing that right now yeah um <laughs> but no there's a lot of <laughs> s- incredibly striking images or even like when you s- see Sarah's body which has been like set up in like some ritual way and like, like, probably the grossest thing is like she has pins in her pupils, and then like the worst yeah. part is um, she wakes up and starts like, like comes through the door. Like I remember seeing that, and like that image is gonna stay with me, maybe Joey forever. <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> it was just like, whoa, 
No, that that's that's um, okay. But even like away from like the the sort of gory aspects, but even thinking of like like I was saying the hotel and just the the color, even like the the giant like uh, glass ceiling bit is so like kind of memorable, which it kind of looks like a, a like a yellow evil eye in its own right, um, or like the peacock statue that's in the room uh, when 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 uh, yes when Susie confronts the the head witch who's like this invisible like demon specter thing that snores awfully weird <laughs> and uh like the like some of the feathers are like knives or something um yeah and just uh everything about it. and then there's the music we talked a little bit about um goblin which is a progressive rock yes. band so we got rock and roll in this as well. And admittedly, like, the music isn't, like, there's not a variety of tracks, but each track is so distinct and so perfectly placed. Because you have, like, the sort of main theme, which is, like, a twinkly, like, like, you know, and, they, like, that's the first music you hear when you put the disc in. Yes. There's like the like I was saying doing her like the dong 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 like that whole thing, and it's like everything about the music feels so obscure, but it all fits so perfectly in the whole like kind of vibe that this movie's putting off, and like that's the thing I love about it the most is that everything every element like the fact it's so colorful, the music, the performances, the exaggeration of everything like it's so different yet you can clearly tell like why this movie redefined horror for so many people and so many filmmakers later because it does stand out from what you would typically understand like like when i think of horror i don't think of guitars i think of violins or like you know when i think of horror i think of muted colors with like splashes of bright colors as right. opposed to like this movie that's like i'm going to literally put a whole spectrum of color in your face while playing like really trippy crazy rock music that and and it will have the exact same effect and it really does mm -hmm. so like this movie this movie stands out in so many ways and it's so strange but i i it's such a great experience and i'm glad i had this I, i'm glad you had the chance to experience it Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm glad I had this uh, chance to. Um, I, again, because knowing it is one, a favorite of yours, it's like it's always nice to experience that. Mm. Um, so thank you You're for welcome. that. Um, you know, and and uh, you got to have a good Argento experience for once. Yes, I like. I, I understood that he, this is a respected director a lot, but I, I was finally able to go. I get, I get it. it. <laughs> I get it. And not just have the bad memories of like Julian Sands. Um, I hope they find him, by the way. Yes. Julian Sands um, with the rats and then Dario Argento's daughter. And it's just weird. Like, ew. <laughs> this movie is so terrible. Uh, is it, and is, then I'm like, okay. Because I haven't seen it. Is, it. is it just that it's like really gross or something? It's gross, but it just doesn't feel like it's like. <laughs> misses the mark completely. <laughs> like, okay, okay. I was know, just curious. Um, like, again, like I feel like it's one of those things where, like, I think about Joel Schumacher and, like, Phantom of the Opera 2, where, like, I look at those Batman movies, I'm like, 
he probably could have done a pretty good Batman and um, Phantom of the Opera movie if he'd done it in almost the mold, almost a similar mold to like Batman Forever. If if he did it, like if he did it before the backlash of Batman and Robin, I feel like maybe killed his spirits a little bit, and like because. Uh, yeah, because yeah. you watch because you watch the fan his Phantom of the Opera movie from two thousand four, and it's so dull. It's not very creative um, with its cho- like its, its shot choices or anything like that. It tries to be a bit more realistic, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's something you should do with a character like the Phantom in that in that capacity anyway. Especially when the stage show this very much the stage show is very much almost like a magic show in a lot of ways. Like there's trap doors, people are disappearing, there's fireballs. Like it's all this just crazy like Beetlejuice shit. when I saw that. There was a lot of that stuff right. too. Right. Um, and I feel like Argento in that same notion could have done something where it's like visually you're like, whoa. And you're just going through this this young woman's like and horror of just like, oh my god, the phantom! Ah! <laughs> had, had he done the... So it's so it's a case of maybe if they want to do these movies, do them, do them sooner in your careers do do them sooner i, I don't know again I, i've it's been a long time since i've seen the the um argento phantom but it's not a movie i don't think i ever want to revisit really. i can understand that yeah again um, it's like it's just it's that it's that like like there's there's directors who can do great work and again making a movie's hard the, the so like the downside is like there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes probably or you know maybe just Ultimately, maybe the take that they had just wasn't as effective as they wanted it to be. Like you know, we right. all we all feel like we have good ideas, and sometimes those ideas might have sounded good initially. But you know, it is what it is. Unfortunately, thankfully, um, we can still celebrate these people. Like with Martin Campbell, I can still watch Mask of Zorro and Casino Royale and be like, these movies are far better than they deserve to be. Um, like like somehow these movies are incredible. Or we can watch, uh, you know, Joel Schumacher's films and be like, these movies in his early days far better than than they deserve to be. And then in case of Argento, like he had this whole string of horror films that cemented him in in a certain stance, and so we can celebrate those. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, I think with both both of these movies, they're both visually really awesome, and both wild in somewhat different reasons. Um, heavy like, on the rock and roll. Heavy on the rock and roll. The first one's definitely heavy on camp. Mm-hmm. I, f- uh, I feel like um, this one's definitely like a vibe, like surreal experience as you, as you noted earlier. It's, it's like, I think the one part I, I thought was like the silliest thing. And I still do is when uh, at the beginning of the movie when the one dancer girl is like the student's getting her face pushed up against a window and it's just like <laughs> it's like smushed up yeah that that was <laughs> like <laughs> you know like that that it's that a face squished up against a window is synonymous with comedy so like you can't help but go huh but then like she's also screaming and you're like <laughs> it's like a weird yeah, it's like a, what do I do <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been tailored to laugh at this but I shouldn't because she's clearly in terror but no if you have guys gals uh, anyone else everybody else listen folks if you haven't seen Phantom of the Paradise if you haven't seen Suspiria trust me when we say this you gots to you just got to. Yes. Because they're both... You owe it to yourself. <laughs> they're both incredibly insane experiences for different reasons. You'll get uh, 
on a mass a massive amount of color, massive amount of rock and roll, uh, some crazy fun characters, some uh, striking imagery that you'll never forget, like uh, a, a metal beaked bird man looking guy with chrome teeth that's going. <laughs> you can put the, the sound effects there. Oh, do it, do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or like rain again again you have, you have to like um like which which phoenix do you think is the best <laughs> which one should i use <laughs> like this delivery was by far the best so we'll keep that thank you <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little extra work but it'll be worth it yes and um so you got you got that and then the other movie you have like the kaleidoscope of stress stress inducing color uh, with incredibly horrific striking imagery that will probably stay with you for a little bit while. So it's the only thing I, I regret is that I've now probably scarred Joey in some capacity. <laughs> I didn't feel that scarred. I, I was like, it, it, it was it was definitely like like a good. It was a really good like ooh that was like a like a like a fun like scary kind of movie. Okay, good. Um, Just don't look. At I had a ceiling. good time. Gertrude, <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, Folks, uh, folks, what are your favorite Brian De Palma films? What are your favorite Dario Argento films? Uh, what's your favorite day of the week, and why is it Thursday? Thursday. Today is Thursday. Um, yeah, and uh, what's your favorite acting role by Paul Williams? And um, shout out to Jessica Harper for being awesome and being in both of these movies, and being awesome yes. in both of these movies. Yes, yes, yes. I also want to emphasize again too. I hope they find Julian Sands. Yes, uh, been missing for for quite a bit. Uh, again, rest in peace, William uh, William Finley, who does a remarkable remarkable job in Phantom of the Paradise. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes One Double Feature. Check us out next time. Have a good night, everyone. Ta da! Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Dog!